All right, welcome to another episode of the Health Force Podcast, episode 113. Today we're talking about uh, anybody that's looking to train some version of an athletic attribute or ability. So, you know, this speaks highly to high school athletes, uh, even professional athletes, obviously, college athletes, amateur athletes. Even if you're somebody that just wants to get better at, let's say, your golf game, your bowling game, your pickup basketball game, anybody that's looking to train some version of, af- of athletic ability, this podcast is for you. Um, you know, obviously, with the ongoing situation with the COVID restrictions, uh, they are starting to become more relaxed uh, in terms of like fitness and gyms and things like that. So, you know, previous to that, you didn't have access to equipment. Uh, but what you'll learn today, my hope is, is that this whole concept of like speed training or athletic training in terms of like, uh, again, cone drills, footwork, ladders, uh, has been way overhyped for five, 10 years here. And there's actually a more efficient and more producing uh, type of workout that you can incorporate if you're looking to increase things like speed, power, and explosion. So when I talk about speed, explosion, and power, again, if you think about sports, Speed again, like top line speed. So if you're talking about maybe like a track event and you're somebody that's racing, um, you know, so it's just a, a full on sprint. Maybe if you're playing like football and you know you have the football, you're on offense, you have the football in the open field and you're trying to run for a touchdown with you know nobody directly in front of you. Again, that that ability to hit that top end speed and just blow away from everybody. And obviously, it, it translates to things like basketball. So. When you go to make a move on somebody, maybe you cross them over and then you explode towards the rim. Uh, you want that quick burst. You don't want to be going there slowly. Um, so this is what I'm talking about. Power, speed, explosion. And we're going to talk about how to actually increase those qualities for you. Uh, and it's actually uh, pretty simple. So, you know, I actually have, there's one thing I want to share with you. Again, this is something that you anybody can have access to if you go to Google. Um, and I, you know, I had searched just for some research article, you know, just trying to get a, a grasp of what's out there. And I have here from the Journal of Sports Science and Medicine, uh, improved maximal strength, vertical jump and sprint performance after eight weeks of jump squat training. This was done by Marion et al. Uh, this is from 2016. So a couple years old. But what they found is that by incorporating a jump squat training protocol, okay, which for those, that's an exercise jump squat, uh, you know, you load up into a squat and then you try to jump vertically uh, as high and explosively as you can. That's one version of a jump. You know, you could broad jump, which is jumping horizontal after loading. You could do multiple jumps. You can work on depth, depth jumps, which is actually the landing phase that actually puts uh, some stress on the knee in a good way so that that begins to build up so there's all kind of jump training protocols that you can incorporate but the bottom line from this study here that i have for us is the results conclusion here is that eight eight weeks of jump squat training resulted in significant improvements uh, to a counter movement jump squat jumps maximum isometric squat force average force over 100 ms as well as 50 meter sprint times uh, only the improvement in vertical jumps plateau after four weeks of training with further improvements observed for 48 weeks. The present study suggests that short-term squat jump training can improve several different athletic performance tasks simultaneously. So there, there again is uh, just, just one research study that you can find, but that gives credence to this idea that if you want to increase some of these athletic abilities, 
working in things like jump, uh, jump squats, broad jumps, sprints, uh, is the best way to do that. Okay. Um, I have also here an article from myself. <laughs> Look at that. You know, why, why do we got to keep reading other articles when I've written one? So this is from February 2nd, 2017. So, uh, three years old now, but, uh, highly, highly relevant. Uh, and it's called speed workouts, how to actually train for speed and why most trainers are wrong. So I remember writing this article and the big motivation was at the time, there was a lot of attention being given to these footwork drills, um, you know, and they were casting themselves as speed training. And that always perplexed me when I was in the thick of it, you know, 2017, I was in the thick of training, whereas now I'm more in the business marketing stuff for, the, for, for our companies. But when I was in the thick of it, man, my goal was to increase every variable that I could for my athletes, measuring, testing, and uh, I was very rigorous about it. And I remember there were athletes who were who would train and the coach would set up a couple cones or ladders or um, step overs. And they would have these athletes continue, continuously go through them with different patterns, um, you know, over and over and over and over and over again. And I remember thinking, the only thing they're really training, you know, might be some hand-eye, foot-eye coordination, uh, which is still good. But the athletes were so exhausted because there were essentially no breaks and they're just going rep after rep after rep. They were never, ever, ever training at max output, meaning... They were never giving it like 110% of power and ability because they were tired. And so when you're tired, you obviously don't perform as if you're rested. Um, so that was definitely a complete misconception um, at the time I wrote this. And it still applies today. You know, it, I think it spawned mostly because of a business, uh, a business positive. So if you're doing that, that type of a workout with athletes, you can have easily 30 athletes do that. Just get in line, follow the guy after you, break out in a couple groups. And it's pretty easy to just like set it up and have it kind of auto run. And so if you charge each of those people 10 bucks, I mean, now you're making $300 an hour. So I get the allure of it. Uh, but if you're going to go for pound for pound, you actually want to increase somebody's top line speed. You actually want to increase their explosion. The way to do it, heavy weight lifting, okay, plyometrics, which would include jumps and explosive movements, um, I would also throw in there things like heavy slam balls, heavy rope slams. Um, so any other piece of tool that you can have, you can throw, jump and throw things, twist and throw things. Um, and then jumping, jumping and landing. So those were kind of my core tenants. That was based off of the science that I had available, that everybody has available. Again, researching that, coming up with my own, met, you know, how I could uh, manipulate those sort of protocols into a speed training workout. And so when I was training an athlete, and they came to me and said, I want to increase my speed. It looked very different than what most people were doing. So that gives you a background. Let's break into this article. And again, kind of the thing for this too is this is stuff you can do without equipment. Like jumping and sprinting, those are things that don't require any equipment that you can do right now in your neighborhood, in your backyard. Uh, and again, if you do it correctly over time, you will, in, you will absolutely increase your top end speed and your explosion ability. So if you're, again, you just if you're looking to hit that golf ball you know, further, and you're already in pretty decent shape, because let's be honest, step one is if you're out overweight or obese, if you wanna get better at your golf game, lose, lose some LBs, okay, trim up yourself a little bit, give you better flexibility, 
uh, better endurance and probably increase your strength while you're at it. That's step one. But if you're somebody that's already in shape to a certain extent and you're really looking now to maybe add 10, 20 yards on your drive or things like that, this is how you want to train for it, okay? This, what I'm going to go over is how you do it. And again, you do this at home. So again, the article, Speed Workouts, How to Actually Train for Speed, Why Most Trainers Have It Wrong, by yours truly. Also, by the way, look at that outfit. If you're, if you're watching the video podcast, a little headband, athletic, you know, a athletic day. Here we go. Okay. Athletes of all ages are beginning to focus in on either one or two sports instead of playing different ones year round. This allows the athlete to train in the offseason and to improve attributes necessary to excel at their sport of choice. Unfortunately, it is my observation that speed coaches, personal trainers, and exercise professionals are training for speed incorrectly. Speed workouts should not be a random compilation of drills or exercises. There needs to be a method to the madness, and it's not just occurring at most it's just not occurring at most facilities. Allow me to explain the most common errors that I notice in programming. Speed workout errors. Number one, training for foot speed. There is not a correlation between foot speed and actual playing speed, I, AKA your top end speed, your 40 yard dash time. We often hear the coaching point, fast choppy steps, okay? We hear that a lot. And from time to time, I also coach high school football, so I do utilize that, uh, but not necessarily context for a speed explosion workout, okay? Back to the article. Uh, in some instances, this is correct, such as sports specific drills. There you go. And change of direction. However, it is a massive mistake to tell parents and athletes that having fast feet action makes you fast. So, uh, to be honest, again, the way I prep for this show, I get my bullet points and I, and I run with it. I'm real, 100%, genuine, authentic, to the face, get the podcast done. We're not going to sit here and prep for three hours. I don't need to, like, rehearse everything. Here we go. So, actually, I don't know if I get to it later in this article. But... This idea of foot speed is you've got these trainers that are focused on having their clients, the athletes, pick their feet up and down like this real fast. Uh, and they think that by doing that, that must increase how fast they can actually move. And oftentimes for me, I was trying to do the opposite with my athletes. I wanted them to almost gallop. I want them to have, especially if you're in the open field, like, if, like okay, because I got to put this in context, right? When I think people say I need to increase my speed, okay, I'm thinking like straight top line speed to blow past somebody, to go right around somebody, to, to get away from everybody. I'm not talking about changing direction in a five yard window. That's something different, okay? I, I categorize that as agility. So that's different, but we're gonna talk speed, okay? When somebody says, I wanna get faster, you wanna teach them to gallop. Look at a horse run, okay? Horses do not choppy, 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 choppy. They're galloping. And so I've always had my athletes, once once we're training this 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 exact, uh, this attribute, we gotta get that stride right. We should have nice stride. It's not about fast feet. So I never really understood that. Um, and, and here's the thing, here's where the misconception comes in. People think that if you're putting your feet in the ground fast, that means you must be generating force. So the actual force for your speed it's not necessarily how many steps you're taking and touching the ground, but how much force you're pushing off of the earth when you're running, right? Like that's what propels you forward is your legs pushing off the earth to propel you forward. So, you know, what can generate more force? Four or five choppy steps or three powerful gallop steps that are really pushing off the earth. 
I think it's number two. I think it's the latter. So they want to set that record straight there. And that kind of, and again, that, that's why the training of the cone and the ladder drills is, it does have application to, uh, to athletics and sports, but it's not speed, okay? So number two, the number two speed workout error that I noticed, I touched on it earlier, is that there's no rest, okay? So I'll read from the article here. If athletes are huffing and puffing as you make them step back up to the line to do the next sprint, they are no longer training for speed. They are conditioning. I'll read that again. If your athletes are huffing, puffing, if they're tired, and you say, get back up there to do the next sprint, if they're doing sprint training work and they're going to go for whatever, 20 yards, 40 yards, and they're, and they're dying, okay, they're out of breath, that is no longer speed training. They are no longer explosive. They are no longer powerful. They are now training, conditioning, cardiovascular endurance. That's what it is, okay? Two entirely separate training modalities. If you're, if you're conditioning your athletes and you want to up their cardiovascular endurance, that's fine. You can go sprint, 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 sprint. But if you want somebody to actually increase their top line speed, it, it should be sprint, rest. Sprint, rest. Sprint, rest. And when they're sprinting, it's a sprint. It's 100%. It can't be 60% effort. It can't be 80% effort. That athlete's got to push, 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 push. Back to the article. In order for an athlete to become faster, more explosive, most of their training needs to be concentrating on max output. They should be working as close to 100% as possible. Making them push weighted sleds until they throw up is nothing but idiotic. And it certainly does not help the athlete achieve higher levels of speed. And again, it's idiotic in the context of that that's supposed to increase their speed. Okay? If... First of all, I'm against athletes throwing up and, and pushing themselves too far, no matter what you're training, even if you're training endurance. And I understand it's very common, I think. Well, not, maybe not very common, but it is common enough that if, you, if an athlete's training for conditioning, especially like an off-season conditioning program, they may get sick and push themselves too hard there. And again, I, I am against that. I don't want, I don't think, I don't, I think you can get the work done without getting to that level. Um, but again, uh, you know, if you're, if you're putting your athletes on a, a weighted sled and you think you're going to train them for speed, it should be do a rep at 100% and then rest. The number three uh, error for the speed workouts is I have profits over results, okay? Now, I understand business, Ramsley Fitness, after all, we do offer services in exchange for money, but that's no excuse to pile athletes in like sardines just so you end up having a great hourly rate. I find it pathetic that we have exercise gurus and speed coaches that take on 10 to 50 athletes at once and have them all do the same drills and all the same exercises. It often takes the form of just several lines of athletes all going through cone drills or sprint drills together. No athlete's the same. By jacking up your hourly rate because you're increasing your volume, you diminish your ability to produce results, period. And I believe that to this day, which is why, you know, I have chosen to go down the route of working one-on-one -on -one with our clients. Our clients get matched up with trainers. There's no group stuff. There is no booty boot camp, shake your butt workouts with 10 other people in the room with you. We are focused on trying to de deliver results on an individual basis. I th that's just the way I think. If someone's going to pay us money, we should get them results. Or the you know the the goal is to get them results. We're always constantly striving to get them results. So when you just say, well, we can make a lot more money, but let's put fifty people in this gym and let's have them just kind of go through these groups of exercises, and, and we'll break up into groups of three, and then this group will do this exercise. I get it. You'll make some money, but like, you know. What's Jimmy Smith or Betsy Sue? What's her output? She gonna get like is she like how much is she benefiting? And that's kind of where my focus is, and I get nobody's the same. Number four, strength workout error is zero strength training. This is a big one for me. Big one. Speed is a result from producing high levels of force. The athlete needs to be powerful and explosive. Cone drills, ladders, short hurdles, bands around the knees, 
They're not going to aid in the conquest to develop explosive power. How a speed coach or anyone teaching speed workouts can look at athletes and not stress the importance of weightlifting is beyond me. Squats, deadlifts, lunges, etc. are already be part of the program. I believe most speed coaches do not understand basic human physiology, which is why they do not comprehend concepts such as power, explosion, strength, and acceleration, and how they play a prominent role in the athlete's speed. So, you know, again, written... A lot of athletic uh, personal trainers or speed coaches or athletic performance coaches, they usually are former athletes. Uh, that's a very common theme that you see, and I encourage that because those are people that understand the game. They understand sport. They understand uh, what young athletes are going through, and I, I do encourage that. However, it's not an excuse for a lack of education on the subject. We got the internet. You can research things. I don't, you know, I'm not as hardline as I used to be about going to school and getting a four-year degree. Okay, I used to be pretty hardline because... What I was seeing at the time, you know, talking 2016, 2015, it was mostly personal trainers had no formal education, so they had like zero because they weren't doing it on their own. Uh, but with the, uh, you know, the resources available in podcasts now are so big, there's zero reason that a, a, an individual can't train their, like their mental fitness or their education on the subject. So while I get that most speed coaches or personal trainers are former athletes, it doesn't excuse them for not understanding physiology. So, you know, again, they're, they're usually just regurgitating what they did as an athlete. And so coaches would have them do these cone drills and line drills and things like that. And, and so they just kind of rehash it and rebrand it and put it out there. Um, but again, for me, strength training, how you don't have an athlete work on the lower body specifically to get stronger uh, again, I think it's just um, a combination kind of like incompetence and it might venture towards negligence here to a certain degree, meaning I think it's, if someone's paying you money, that's something that you should be able to tell them, that training training helps. Um, and, and, you know, it should be balanced with some things because I get the strength training might make you, uh, typically as you add muscle tissue you become a little more stiff and less flexible well you should offset that with some flexibility training like you shouldn't be a stiff board like that's not what i'm saying like that's that's it's not a zero-sum game where either you have to be tall skinny fast and flexible or short bulky and slow like you can be just for instance google olympic sprinter or olympic sprinting athlete they are muscular they have a lean tissue they are not skinny marathon runners they are not long distance runners they are powerful human beings they lift. They lift weights. So anybody that, that's looking to, again, increase their speed, you should be doing squats, deadlifts, lunges, etc. Anything to do with the lower body. Lifting, you know, five to eight reps, that kind of range. And, and uh, again, I think that, that all plays a role in becoming, being, being able to, to, you know, push more force off of the earth as you're running. So for me, uh, I, I also list here proper speed workout components. I have one, two, three, three of these. So we'll wrap up with my, with my three little components. And I'll close it up. <clears throat> so, it's number one is the education of the fitness profession. So, I'd recommend hiring a coach that's properly educated on body mechanics, basic motor functions, and understands speed, agility, power, strength, and explosion. Being a former high-level athlete or someone who has a passion for fitness is just not enough experience, in my opinion, to actually teach the attributes. High-level athletes would, ha would have had a coach train them for their entire career. Pro athletes do not create their own workouts very often. At best, they will regurgitate some of the exercise protocols that they've done in the past. A staff with college-educated professionals, uh, aka if they have some version of a degree in exercise field, not marine biology, 
It's probably a good way to at least ensure the basics of anatomy and physiology are covered. This does not mean every coach with a degree is productive, however, tread carefully. So again, I'm actually pretty amazed, we'll pat on my back here, by how consistent I am uh, over time. Um, and it's not because I'm married to an ideology, meaning that I believe in this stuff because I, because I think it. Uh, I, I do all my research up front first, and then I form my opinions off of that. And so what happens is you become very consistent naturally because you kind of know where the truth leads you down. You don't have to constantly rewire and re-explain, uh, you know, essentially your opinions. Because when you don't base them on something, they're subject to changing in the wind, flapping in the wind. So it's pretty interesting. Because I haven't read, again, I didn't read this for the purpose of the show, but even as I'm talking ad libitum here, I'm essentially saying things that I go on to say in the article. So it's pretty cool. Number two, strength training protocols. The athlete should have a very healthy dose of exercises like the squat, deadlift, and lunges. Developing the musculature of a young athlete is a must if speed is to increase. It's big. I'll say it again. Developing the musculature of a young athlete is a, is a must if speed is to increase. When you look at an athlete sprinting, their legs drive force into the ground and they push off with that power. Having strong legs and glutes means higher force and power. Additionally, a proper fitness professional will attempt to balance out the athlete and seek to end their deficiencies. Single leg exercises are a great, great way to accomplish this. So that's the other thing I said. So if you're doing like lunge work, you're doing split squat work, you're doing single leg deadlift work. Again, a lot of times when it comes to your sprint mechanics, and this is something that I, I do want to give props to speed coaches for, uh, I think they mostly try to work on exercise form. So again, like the elbow uh, and, and arm motion as well as the lower body and where the knees and ankles should be going. Uh, I, I'm big on that. I do think that there is ways you can clean up some inefficiency if somebody's going too much left to right. And again, the way, way you think about it is if I'm running directly at you, if I'm sprinting, if I keep myself tight, okay, that's less wind resistance as I'm running at you. If I'm moving too much left to right, I create more surface area. Again, doesn't sound like much, but that is enough to slow you down. Um, so, you know, if somebody's got a stronger right leg than a left leg or someone's had a previous injury, doing single leg work helps balance that out so that you're not favoring one side and either overstriding or understriding or, you know, having too much lateral movement with those legs. Number three, plyometrics and power training. So med ball throws, box jumps, broad jumps, Olympic weightlifting, are they're all phenomenal techniques that will increase an athlete's power output. The reasons these exercises are not often seen at speed training facilities is because they require attention from the fitness professional to ensure the proper form. As we've previously discussed, most speed trainers prefer to hoard athletes at once to maximize their profit. So watching and teaching an athlete how to power clean is inefficient for a group training model. These exercises should be performed at the beginning of the workout, should be close to 100% output on every rep. Training below this level turns the exercise into a conditioning drill. As we previously discussed, it's not a power drill anymore. So again, again, it's very complex to teach Olympic weightlifting. Things like cleans and snatches and, and you know, even just compound movements, I would say, you know, just like you start getting into front squat, shoulder press, like anything like that. You can't just have 30 athletes do, number one, you don't have the equipment to have everybody pick up a weight that's heavy for that. And then number two, it's not safe, I don't think, to like have 30, 30 people do that once with one coach watching. So that's why I think that people don't really go towards that style of training because it's hard. It's very time intensive. And most athletes just aren't paying for one-on-one -on -one personal training, especially at the youth levels and the high school levels. So that doesn't, that doesn't demean or lower the value of that style of training. That's the, and that's the problem I have is that the things that work might not make business sense 
but we got to square that up. Like there has to be, <laughs> we have to get that in. You can't just say, well, I, I want 50 athletes so we can make some money. So therefore, weight lifts in doubt. Like that's not good. It should be the other way around. You should look to incorporate these things and figure out how to make your money second. So to conclude, by reading this article, you already have a leg up on other athletes. Most individuals partake massive group classes for speed training because that's what the fitness industry mostly offers. And I believe that's still, you know, three years later, pretty accurate. I still think most speed coaches uh, operating groups, eight to, you know, eight to 20. And again, I've seen as high as 100 people at once with two or three coaches bobbing around. So I still think that that becomes the primary uh, function. And I just believe that uh, athletes deserve full attention. The instructor need a customized plan according to their needs. So there it goes. Um, again, if you're looking to train these attributes, strength training is a must. You got to be in the gym or home gym or wherever. You can have some equipment like dumbbells, barbells. And again, train the lower body, especially because that's what's ultimately going to be providing force off the ground. Should definitely still be balanced. So you're going to want to work up a body and core training, things like that. Uh, I recommend, like I said, plyometrics or explosive movements, throwing heavy things, jumping with heavy things, combinations thereof, jumping in general, and then uh, sprint work too. I don't know if I mentioned as much in there, but actually sprinting is like a good way to get faster. So line up, run as fast as you can for a set period, rest until you're 90, 95, 100% recovered, do it again. And that's all, all this should be done. All this should be done with really max effort. When you're lifting for, with weights and you're doing Olympic lifting or you're throwing medicine balls, it should be really heavy. And that way you're generating massive force to move that object and the rep should be low. Something like five sets of three. So you, so you, do, your, you, know, you do three and even between each one, take a breath, take a breath, take a breath, get balanced and then do the rep. Take your time, set up, set up, set up and do it. And so that's what I recommend. That's what I know works. That's, that's a lot. That is a lot superior than going to a group and just doing cones and you know, like footwork drills. You'll get conditioned and you might even pick up some, some, some foot speed and maybe pick up some lateral quickness or things like agility, which is still good for sports, but it's not speed. You know what I mean? Like you might have all the fast feet in the world, but if you're not moving fast, you just have your feet going up and down. It's no good. <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's all. I want to wrap it up. Um, I don't really have anything else. So if you guys have any questions to follow up on that, uh, certainly reach out to us at RamsonLeapFitness.com. Uh, same for Facebook and Instagram. It's just at RamsonLeapFitness. And even our Twitter page is at RamsonEF. So the podcast, guys, it's on video on the YouTube channel, which is RamsonLeapFitness and Facebook. So you can watch the, the video version of the podcast. Uh, and then the, uh, the audio version is on all podcasting platforms. So uh, thanks. We hope that, again, this made some sense. Um, and I understand it may be contradictory to what you see. And I know this is the one thing that, that kind of bothered me at the time when I was really focused on high school athletes is the parents of the athletes, they're the ones paying, right? And so those are the ones that we really need to convince. And there was a ton of pushback, a ton, because number one, they thought their kids needed to be sweating and almost throwing up and like working hard. Work Johnny hard. He's not really working that hard. And they didn't understand like the whole rest between every set and work on max explosion and actually work on technique and form. And so we ended up, you'd have kids that were 14, 15, 16 years old who couldn't do a squat, like a basic air, like a, just a body weight air squat. And like, I don't know, their, their parents expected them to be pushing sleds, heavy sleds all over the place and running and sweating. I mean, just, it, it, 
blows my mind a little bit. So again, that's what we need to educate uh, on top of the athletes. We also want the parents to, to feel uh, comfortable and understanding some of this stuff. And I do know part of that is they're paying money so that they don't have to learn it all. And that's, and that's good. But uh, again, if they're paying to try to figure out a proper coach to hire, uh, you're going to want somebody that's training them on that kind of program we talked about today. So thanks again for listening and reach out to us if you have any questions or feedback.